This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Nice and clean, execute our race for a delta position. Got to be there at the end. Yep, copy that. Have a nice, smooth day and got to be there when it counts. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. And the Dixie Vodka 400 win belongs to William Byron. That's how we race. That's what we're going to get used to. Get used to winning, boys. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry. Trusted to perform since 1952 by Xfinity X5, internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. And by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you after the third racing weekend of the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series and NASCAR Xfinity Series seasons. Homestead Miami Speedway is where we were last week, and we had a lot of action. And coming up on the show today... We're going to give you a NASCAR Live backtracks from this past weekend's Dixie Vodka 400 there at Homestead Miami Speedway. Saturday's Contender Boats 250 for the NASCAR Xfinity Series was an eventful one, and it involved Noah Gregson. We're going to chat with Noah and get his thoughts on the events of Homestead as he gets ready to head out to his home turf this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Our Kurt Becker is going to take a look at the history of racing in Las Vegas, and there is a lot of it. Plus, we'll also visit... With NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Austin Hill. He'll join the show as he gets ready for Friday's Bucked Up 200 there at LVMS. Plus, we're going to sit down with the NASCAR Xfinity Series winner from the weekend, Myatt Snyder. And we'll have a whole lot more for you. But first, Kyle Ricky is here to get us caught up with the NASCAR news after a lot of on-track action this past weekend in South Florida. Kyle, what do you have? Mike, the dirt race at the Bristol Motor Speedway is now just a couple of weeks away on March 27th, 28th, and 29th for both the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and NASCAR Cup Series. The week before, however, the Bristol Dirt Surface will be broken in with a six-day event called the Bristol Dirt Nationals for sprint cars, late models, and modifieds. Several NASCAR drivers are expected to compete, including Kyle Busch, who will drive a dirt late model for dirt standout Jonathan Davenport, a three-time Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Champion. Kyle Larson is also expected to compete in the late model division, a type of car in which he won in earlier this year. 
Joey Logano will be a part of the Bristol Dirt Nationals, but will be competing in the Open Modified class. Three-time NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion Matt Crafton will also be competing in the Modifieds. Other current drivers expected to compete during the week include Chris Buescher, Cole Custer, and Austin Dillon. The Bristol Dirt Nationals are set for March 15th through the 20th, just prior to the NASCAR Weekend on Dirt, March 27th through the 29th. While Bristol will have a new surface on a familiar track, three Cup Series champions are testing a brand new layout for NASCAR this week as part of a Goodyear tire test at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, and Martin Truex Jr. are testing on the 3.41-mile course, and Keselowski says it has similarities to another new track on this year's Cup schedule. Road America in Wisconsin. Uh, this track reminds me a lot of Road America up in Wisconsin. Uh, a lot of similarities, really big straightaways. Uh, you know, not as many S's at Road America, but tight chicanes, uh, big slowdowns. So definitely will take a lot of what we learned from here to Road America. All three of NASCAR's national series will compete in Austin, Texas, May 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll revisit this past weekend's Dixie Vodka 400, and later we'll chat with NASCAR Xfinity Series driver and Las Vegas native Noah Gregson. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. And now a game of Commercial Chicken, brought to you by Progressive, where we see how long Flo can go without talking about insurance. Ready? Go. So, um, have you noticed how everyone's grammar is completely awful now? Like, you know, the texting and the LOLs. Whatever happened to punctuation? I mean, drivers who switch to Progressive can save big. Okay, you win. We can't help but save customers money. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey, race fans, NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace here from my friends at Blue Emu. Don't forget, the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500 at Martinsville Speedway happens Saturday night, April the 10th. Catch the action here on MRN and on FS1 at 7.30. Martin Truex Jr., he'll win the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500. If you want Hall of Fame relief, reach for Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. A look back at this past weekend's Dixie Vodka 400 is next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you, plus you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. Whelan would like to congratulate William Byron and his number 24 Hendrick Motorsports pit crew for the win at Homestead Miami Speedway. They are the Whelan pit crew of the week. As the confetti flew in victory lane, Byron noted the outstanding chemistry with new crew chief, Rudy Fugel. Hey, we had a great offseason uh, to prepare 
Uh, Rudy's come in and done a phenomenal job, and uh, you know he just he knows how to how to push the right buttons with me, and uh, you know I know exactly what he means when he says that. So just had to go to work, and um, luckily we had enough car there at the end. I was kind of nervous about fuel um, and just a caution, really. So. Uh, thankful that none of that happened. Wheelin Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952. Now, back to your host, Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The 2021 NASCAR Cup Series season rolled into Homestead Miami Speedway this past weekend. Here's how it all sounded with a brand new edition of a NASCAR Live Backtracks. As they come down to the line, Chief Starter Tiffany Myrick puts the green flag in the air, and the Dixie Vodka 400 is underway. They're playing bumper cars back deep in the field. Kyle Larson gets into the back of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They log jam, but they all get away cleanly. Ready, stacking, 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 stacking. Still stacking, stack, stack, stack. Come on, go. That's okay. Still outside. William Byron started all the way back in 31st today. To say he's got a good Exalta Chevrolet Camaro would be an understatement. That's perfect. That's freaking perfect right now. This is lap 9, P15. P15. Good job, homie. Keep rocking it. It would seem that Kevin Harvick's got a great short run car, but the longer the run goes on, that car backs up. That's really bad. Turning right, getting into three. Loose in. Loose into three, kind of rolls to the end of the first third, okay. As soon as you touch the throttle, it's dead sideways. One car in a huge plume of smoke. It's James Davison just erupting in smoke, and now it's engulfed in flames. Smoker here, you're smoking. Come on down to the apron. Come on the pit road. You get a little, got a little fire under the front of it right there. Take it in the garage. Mid-pack, one driver almost stuffed it in the fence. That's Kyle Busch. I mean, let's just go to last. Why not? Kyle Busch has fallen back now to the 17th spot. And he is not happy with that race car that Eminem's Bud Granny Toyota has been giving him trouble all race long. We are not doing anything good to this thing. It's still just as loose, or just slower, it looks like. Like I'm going backwards. Hard. What's the 19? What's the 11? Yeah, we've been doing the same thing they're doing. Well, then apparently it's the crew between the steering wheel and the back. Trouble off the end of the back straightaway. It's Corey LaJoy. He is up in a cloud of smoke. Motor or fluid? Motor. Same form. Like, explode, explode, go to the garage. You do we need to bring it to us. I can't see it. Uh, to the truck. All right, to the truck it is. No problem. That's how they will race to the back stretch now. Hamlin down low, Truex up high, a plume of speedy dry now as everybody flies through it. Hamlin fender out in front. He's got the inside line. He tries to slide job. Danny, green checker there. That's going to leave the inside lane open for William Byron. And Byron gets back to the start-finish line first. William Byron wins stage number two. Stay low and dig. Stay low and dig. Still out there, still out there, still out there. (laughs) Good job. Nice. Trouble off turn number four. Two cars get together. It's Eric Almarola and Ryan Blaney bounced off of each other into the outside wall. Dave Moody, Eric Almarola's got heavy smoke. I just got really tight, Joel. I knew you said he was coming back. I got really tight. I was out of the gas. I was trying to let him have a, a lane, but I got really tight. Yeah, we, we've got a pit road speeding penalty. Denny Hamlin busted for speeding. Too fast on pit road. Section, I don't know, right where you got in the box. 50.09. I definitely was getting all I could get, but I didn't think I was over anywhere I'd been all day. Yeah, 10 
Uh, Lambert feels like an inspection right around where the five put peeled off. Might have messed up your timing. Either way, gotta go to the back here. 28 cars on the lead lap. Kurt has been inside the top five virtually all day long, but is there a issue with that number one car? I don't know. There's some uh, discussion right now. All right, you know, I'm just blowing through the tires and we got a loose wheel. It's, just, it's already vibrating because I'm overdriving it. What do you guys think about your tires? If the vibration gets worse, bring it to us. Late race domination by William Byron. He comes off for final time. Checkered flag waving here at the start finish line. And the Dixie Vodka 400 win belongs to William Byron. You're all good. Get to that checkered flag. Get in there, William. Nice. Awesome job. Awesome job, guys. Dude, you worked your ass off, and the guys have too on this car in this race. Nice job. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We've got a ton of William Byron continues the streak of surprise winners to start the season, earning his second career Cup Series victory on the NASCAR Cup Series. Coming up, we'll talk with Las Vegas native and Xfinity Series driver Noah Gregson, and later we'll take a look at the history of racing at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. He's one of NASCAR's all-time greats. The kid who took on the good old boys and changed NASCAR. Jeff Gordon races back to the checkered flag. If you can drive a car out of control like that, I thought this kid's going to be a star. MRN presents a 10-part podcast series that traces Jeff Gordon's rise to NASCAR legend. Would he win again? The answer is yes. He'll win at Martinsville. Jeff Gordon, the colorful career of the Rainbow Warrior. Available now at MRN.com and your favorite podcast source. NASCAR Xfinity Series driver and Las Vegas native Noah Gregson is coming up next. First, this is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Noah Gregson heads back home to Las Vegas this weekend. Our Kyle Ricky sat down with Noah ahead of this weekend's racing action at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Well, trouble in turn number three. One car into the wall, and Gregson gets him. The car that slides up and makes contact, that's David Starr. Noah Gregson goes piling into him, and extensive damage on the front nose of the Noah Gregson automobile. Noah, first off, thank you for taking some time to join us before we head out west. No, thank you guys for uh, for wanting to talk to me. I, I, I want to talk Vegas, but let's button up last week first. Um... Obviously, leading late in the race, had the incident. 
I'm sure you haven't moved past it yet, but do you take anything from that event knowing that you had the speed, you had a you know great car on the first mile and a half of the weekend or of the season? Um, I mean, yeah, we try to keep our heads up. We know the speed we had. I mean, I was running half throttle from those guys there at the end, and um, we are the dominant, dominant car, you know? Um, we got some damage earlier in the race from the two car losing it underneath us and wipe us out and we got a lot of damage. So we had to go to the back and fix the car. And then it was never really the same from then on, but, um, was able to drive back up to the front Moffat took tires and, um, uh, was on pressure tires and we still reeled them in and, and passed them. So, um, that just shows how good Dave Ellens and the rest of the team is. And, um, I really enjoy running up against the wall. It's a lot of fun. And, um, I think they know who the, the real race winner was if uh, we don't have that uh, event happen at the end of the race. Absolutely. Hugely there toward those closing laps. Let's look ahead now uh, to hopefully something a little brighter in your season. Las Vegas this weekend, your hometown and a track that you've run well at in the past. Uh, let's see. I look at the numbers, a third, a sixth, a fourth, and a second. Why are you so good there at the, that mile and a half Las Vegas Oval? Uh, I feel like I suck there um numbers don't uh, show it uh i know it's uh i guess we're always in contention there at the end of the race but uh we had some really good speed there late um late in the, the second race of the playoffs there last year but um i don't know we salvaged good finishes there but um i don't know if we've had the best of luck there the the first three races um i've been there but the last one was really good so i'm really excited to get back to it um with these guys i know our team um, are more motivated than ever and uh, really want to win. We're, we're really deep in the points, and I don't believe in bad luck. I just need to go faster because um, it, it just sucks um, these, the way these last couple weeks have gone from starting out with not being able to qualify for the Daytona 500 and then going to the duel, starting the back of the pack, running up to the front, getting wrecked there, um go to daytona get ass packed there in the xfinity car then go to the road course and get taken out after being three laps down so that we've had a number of issues and then um i don't know what happened with the the guy in front of us um who blew the tire or got corded his tire whatever they want to call it. it's a different story every single time they say it but um for me i think i'm motivated myself our team's motivated but yeah, we're really deep in the points. So we need to win. I don't really care about finishing second, third or fourth. I'm, I'm either going to wad that thing up or I'm going to be in victory lane. So um, I don't really, I'm not there for second. What, um, we're obviously just coming off the first mile and a half of the year. What makes Las Vegas Motor Speedway unique to some of the other mile and a halfs on the circuit, like in Atlanta that we're going to go to in a couple of weeks or, or Texas? Uh I don't know. I'd say those are kind of two opposite sides of the spectrum um, with Atlanta being super worn out, a lot of characteristics of the racetrack and you got some bumps and some big swells in the racetrack. So um, the car really doesn't drive great there. And then you got um, Texas on the other hand, which is probably the smoothest mile and a half track we go to. And um, in my opinion, the least fun just because there's no tire fall off. It's, almost single grooved which really sucks so 
Um, you can move around at, at Vegas. Um, it's a fun track that the track's uh, wearing each and every year we've been there um, and developing new bumps. I know there's always been a lot of bumps in one and two, but um, you you can move around pretty freely um, in one and two, I feel like, from the bottom to the top, especially, especially the top later in the runs. Um, but three and four, it's like it's stuck right on the bottom. So it's a tough and challenging racetrack, um, but like you said, it's it's always exciting. It's always um, we've we've put up good numbers there. So um, hopefully you can you can add a number one to that uh, list. Talk about growing up in Las Vegas as a kid. I, I've talked to some people that have grown up in the city and say they never really see the strip unless they look up and, and see the strip in the distance. Uh, for you, what's it like growing up? Uh, what was it like growing up in in Las Vegas? One of the that's, most touristy cities in the world. Yeah, that's the same way for myself is like the, what the others were saying like we never i mean i i've been down to the strip as a kid um but it'd only be maybe five ten times out of a year probably more five times out of the year um you know you might go down there's a mall down there or something but other than that you're not it's not like we're going down there three four times a week you know so um it's a, like i say it's just like any other city growing up in vegas it's um you know you have your school systems i didn't grow up in a hotel every time i say i'm from vegas when i was younger people would always ask me what hotel do you live in it's i didn't grow up in a hotel there's a lot more than just a strip but uh i've uh i enjoy vegas a lot i've got a lot of friends a lot of family out there um i grew up there till i was 18 so um that's that's really all i know is las vegas and so um it's just like any other city probably a little wilder um as a kind of outside looking in um but from somebody who lives there it's just like any other city now that you've grown up though do you have a favorite restaurant or favorite activity when you go back to to las vegas yeah i i really like um latai which is a Thai food place there um, on Fremont Street. And then over the wintertime, like, I was always, like, anti-gambler, like, like, blackjack and all that stuff, because I'm like, no, that's stupid. Like, if you go gambling, you're just wasting your money. And then um, I'm like, they don't build these big, badass buildings by cashing out, you know? Like, the house always wins. So I would never, like, gamble or anything, but I started going to uh, – over the wintertime, I went twice, two nights in a row with my buddies. I had, I had buddies in town, so that's really the only time we do go down the Strip is when there's friends or family in town. Um, we'll take them down there, but they talked me into playing blackjack. I put $25 down, playing $5 hands, and the strategy that I used um, to make the most out of my money and, uh, I guess, get the best bang for my buck is to put every chip that I win in my pocket and only play with the four chips I had on the table, four or five dollar chips on the table, I just bet um, five dollars a piece. So this is probably a boring story for you, but I, I like it because you get to the lady comes around with drinks. You get to you're basically getting paid to drink if you're if you're winning. So it's pretty cool. So how'd you do that day? How much did you walk away with? I, I put down 20 bucks and I walked away with uh, with 75 net profit. So pretty good. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Kurt Becker discusses the history of racing in Las Vegas. And later, we'll chat with this past weekend's NASCAR Xfinity Series winner, Myatt Snyder. 
Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Whelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Whelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 19. We look at the history of racing in Las Vegas next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue along on this week's NASCAR Live. There's a long story history of racing in Sin City that stretches past the embankment of Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Our Kurt Becker takes a look at the history of racing in the entertainment capital of the world. There have been 80 combined races in NASCAR's top three national touring series held at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway in the last 25 years. That includes 26 races in the NASCAR Cup Series and 27 each for the Xfinity Series and the Camping World Trucks. There have also been a pair of Las Vegas-born NASCAR Cup champions in that time. One can say that Las Vegas, Nevada has become a NASCAR town. But the history of motorsports in Las Vegas is one which includes not only NASCAR, but also USAC, Can-Am, Trans-Am, Formula One, and IndyCar. It includes speedways and road courses which no longer exist, where future racing Hall of Famers such as Fred Lorenzen and Mario Andretti won races and even championships. More about all of that in a moment. If you are going to talk Las Vegas, you have to start with Elvis Presley. Perhaps the most famous Las Vegas motorsports event was one which took place not in real life, but on the big screen. It was the 1964 MGM motion picture titled Viva Las Vegas, in which Elvis and co-star Cesare DeNova compete in the Las Vegas Grand Prix in the streets and surrounding countryside of Sin City. Classic car enthusiasts will note the presence of Ferraris, Jaguars, Triumphs, Austin Healys, Maseratis, and even a Shelby Cobra in the racing scenes. That race was fiction, but the history of racing in Las Vegas is real. Las Vegas Park, a dirt track located on the south side of the city, hosted a 100-mile champ car event in November of 1954, sanctioned by the American Automobile Association. The race was one of the first major motorsports events ever held in the Las Vegas region. The winner was Jimmy Bryan, who three and a half years later would win the Indianapolis 500. The NASCAR Cup Series, known at the time as Grand National Racing, first came to the Las Vegas area in October of 1955, visiting Las Vegas Speedway Park for a scheduled 200 lapper which was called official at lap 111. The reason? Darkness had settled across the track following a lengthy red flag. Norm Nelson of Racine, Wisconsin was the winner, scoring the only cup win of his career. And on November 29, 1959, it was the USAC stock car circuit which came to Las Vegas with future NASCAR and USAC Hall of Famer Fred Lorenzen taking the victory at Las Vegas Park on his way to the 1959 USAC stock title. 
By the mid-1960s, the Las Vegas motorsports scene had shifted to Stardust International Raceway, a three-mile, 13-turn road course located southwest of the city limits. Mark Donahue won there in 1967 in the Trans Am Series, driving for future NASCAR Hall of Famer Roger Penske. And Bobby Unser notched an IndyCar victory there in 1968, two months prior to winning the Indianapolis 500 for the first time in his career. Fast forward to the 1980s. In 1981 and 82, the Formula One Series came to Las Vegas for its season finale, running on a 2.2-mile, 14-turn course on the site of Caesars Palace Hotel and Casino. This was where Brazilian Nelson Piquet won the first of his three world championships and where Finland's KK Rosberg clinched the 1982 world title. Those same two years on the undercard, Danny Sullivan scored wins in the Can-Am series before gaining prominence a few years later as the winner of the Indianapolis 500. In 1983 and 84, championship auto racing teams, CART, came to the Caesars Palace course, which had been redesigned as a five-turn oval. Mario Andretti won in 1983, while Tom Sneva took the checkered flag the following year. Andretti was runner-up to Sneva that afternoon in 84, but it was enough to give Mario his first IndyCar championship in 15 years. And Willie T. Ribs and Tom Gloy won Trans Am races at Caesars Palace, while England's David Hobbs captured a Trans Am championship. Since 1996, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, located 15 miles northeast of the Strip, has been the focus of motorsports and NASCAR in Nevada. The mile-and-a-half racetrack has been the site of many memorable moments, including the 150th Cup win for Hendrick Motorsports, the 49th and final career Xfinity victory for Mark Martin, and the first career NASCAR Camping World Truck Series win for future series champion Johnny Sauter. Upon attending a race held in Las Vegas in the 1960s, actor Dan Blocker, best known as Haas Cartwright on the NBC television series Bonanza, said, quote, racing takes a lot of brains, a lot of skill, and a lot of guts, end quote. He might have added that racing can also be a gamble. Maybe that's why Las Vegas makes such a good spot for racing and for racing history. For the Motor Racing Network, I'm Kurt Becker. Thank you, Kurt. Coming up, Contender Boats 250 winner Myatt Snyder. And later, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Austin Hill will join us. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. I am huge. I am the return of all the things you love about this amazing sport. Something that changes you from the very first lap. I am more seeing becomes believing and believers know it is the return of a new season i am nascar nascar returns presented by geico at las vegas sunday at 3 30 p.m eastern on fox the 1993 Cup Series season had more than its fair share of twists and turns. Rusty Wallace flips one, two, three times. Every time the car's hitting and it's wrecking, and you're like, okay, this one here's going to be the one that's going to put the lights out. It's going to knock me out. Here's stories you've never heard before in a 10-part series called the 1993 season. Dale Charge got the lead. He goes to the inside. Earnhardt's not going to get him. I knew if he got to my bumper what was going to happen. You can download it for free on iTunes or on MRN.com right now. Contender Boats 250 winner Myatt Snyder is next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go, 
Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. This is NASCAR Live. Here they come off the end of the back straightaway for the final time. It's Wyatt Snyder down low, but here comes Tyler Reddick topside. He is flying around the outside lane. Snyder drifts up to put the block on. Checkered flag in the air. Last ditch effort at the line. Side by side. And Wyatt Snyder wins the contender boats 250 at the Homestead Miami Speedway. Now, back to Mike Bagley. That's how it sounded Saturday as Wyatt Snyder took home the contender. Tender Boats 250 win at the Homestead Miami Speedway, and he did it in overtime. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Our Woody Kane had a chance to catch up with Myatt following his first career win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Myatt Snyder joins us now. He drives the number two Camaros at Richard Childress Racing with Tax Slayer on the side, and what an appropriate time for him to go to victory lane at Homestead Miami Speedway early in the season. Myatt, it's tax time. You got your first win. What could be better? Oh, I don't. I really don't know, man. Um, it it really couldn't have come at a better place, you know, because I. It, it's just funny to me because, in, in all my years, my my two years running the truck series, I, I thought that I didn't know what to do at Homestead. I didn't know left from right. Basically, it's what I felt like I was doing there. Um, and then I get in an Xfinity car there with the in the '93 at RSS last year, and it just came right to me. So I don't know if it's just the difference in in cars, but um, it it really has come to me ever since. And so it's been one of my favorite places to run at ever since. So um, that place has always been fun for me. And the fact that we can get Tax Slayer and Victory Lane so early in the year is uh, is just so important, and it's it's awesome for us. So I'm glad you mentioned the thing about about the trucks versus the Xfinity cars. Uh, when I've heard other guys talk about it, they talk about how much it's about momentum in the truck series. How would you describe the difference in the two? Well, there's just a big difference in the, the body shape versus a truck versus a car. Um, it, it really plays out in how you can run the wall. It, the, I feel like the Xfinity cars are a lot more sensitive to you know, any kind of downforce you can give them. So when you get it right up on the wall, you feel it a lot more and it's, it's just a really big sensation in the seat. So that to me, I, I picked up on really quickly and uh, yeah, it, it is about momentum and trucks, but in Xfinity, it's about finding whatever grip you can. Tell me about the, the path you mentioned in your victory lane interviews, what you had been through to get to this point. And you're still a relatively young guy in this age. I mean, even though now guys are starting when they're 12, it seems like, you know, getting behind the wheel of a lot of different kind of cars. But I mean, you were in trucks, you won rookie of the year there. You went overseas to run the NASCAR Euro series, Xfinity full-time, but with two different teams. I mean, it's been a path like a curvy line, not a straight line. Yeah, it has been, uh, it's had all sorts of twists and forks and, um, and dips and bumps in the path. It's, it's been, it's been quite the journey to get here. So I started, um, I started in ARCA in 2016 running part-time schedule. I got, I, I ended up, uh, winning on my first start, which was pretty huge for me at, at Toledo Speedway. And then we had a decent rest of the season. So I moved on to a part-time truck schedule, uh, at Kyle Busch Motorsports, which was a, uh, a learning experience to say the least um but great a, equipment great equipment yes it was and a uh, very knowledgeable boss um but very very high stakes environment which was uh, interesting for me so then i moved on to uh to thorsport racing where i ran full-time in the trucks and 
and man, I got close to so many wins in, in the truck series. I was within a couple inches at Talladega. We had, um, we had speed at uh, Las Vegas. We had, we were close to winning a lot of races there. Um, but never quite got the job done. However, we did end up coming out with rookie of the year. So that was, that was really important for me. Um, and I thought that, you know, that, after that happened that I would have a really good shot at coming back and being full-time again and kind of building upon what I learned from that year and it ended up not panning out that way and it happened really really late so I had to figure out well what are I what am I going to do because you know without races it's hard to you know kind of give value to our sponsors so we ended up having a scramble and we ended up getting a full-time ride in the NASCAR Wheel and Euro Series which was eye-opening for me um I bet man that just seems like such a, an experience I mean looking back on it at the time you may have thought oh wow but now you got to think what a what a, an experience that most people don't get a chance to do yeah you know it, it's funny because I grew up as a kid watching Formula One racing exclusively like I did not care for NASCAR as like a, as a little kid so uh it was only like later on when I started caring about it but so being able to say that I was traveling the world to go racing was something I didn't expect to ever say in my life, um, considering that I was trying to build a career in NASCAR. Uh, but it was cool regardless. And I learned a lot that year. And it kind of, you know, made me learn that I need to cherish whatever opportunities I have. So um, I ended up next year putting together a full-time season in the Xfinity Series, um, split between RCR and uh, RSS Racing. So I ran, um, I want to say... 25 races in the 93 and then eight races in the 21. So um, it was, uh, it was another eye-opening experience for me and one where I learned a lot and uh, ended up being turned into a full-time season this year. Wow. I bet that was kind of wild. I mean, you hear about guys doing double duty like trucks and Xfinity or Xfinity and cup, but going between two Xfinity teams over the course of a year that had to kind of make your head spin a couple of times along the way, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you have to change your expectations every week because, you know, you go from equipment that, you know, can win and you have a chance to win. And we definitely had a chance to win in a couple races like Pocono and Bristol. And um, we were really good at those places. And then I go to, you know, the 93 and then in there a top 10 is a, is a really good day. And then a top five is a, is a over the moon kind of day. So um, but luckily it gave me the opportunity to learn and be there week in and week out and see what these Xfinity cars are like and kind of get me, you know, prepared for what may happen the following year, which ended up being full-time here. You mentioned almost winning at Las Vegas in a truck a, a moment ago. Let's uh, look ahead to the Xfinity season now and heading to Las Vegas this weekend. What are your expectations going there? A lot of guys are talking about that track is really starting to, to weather in a little bit more and make it a little more, um, I don't know, searchable for you guys to find a line. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was watching the um, I was watching the spring race this morning, just kind of trying to get you know prepared for this weekend. And I noticed that um, it took us probably I think um, kind of by the end of the first stage until we started searching through the middle for grip. And then um, it, it's really temperature dependent, but it, it is one of those places where you can run all over the racetrack, which I really as racers we appreciate because it gives us options and you know makes I feel like makes the racing better. So it's yeah. uh, it's really important to have something like that at a racetrack. Thank you, Woody. Coming up, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Austin Hill, and later another edition of This Week in NASCAR History. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. 
quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Whelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Whelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 19. The Xfinity fastest lap at Homestead Miami Speedway belongs to William Byron. He turned in a lap at a speed of 166.425 miles per hour. Xfinity, XFi Internet, that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Here they come off the end of the back straightaway for the final time. It's Wyatt Snyder down low, but here comes Tyler Reddick topside. He is flying around the outside lane. Snyder drifts up to put the block on. Checkered flag in the air. Last-ditch effort at the line, side-by-side, and Wyatt Snyder wins the contender boats 250 at the Homestead Miami Speedway. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series will be back on track this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Last year's winner, Austin Hill, is looking to score his first win of the season. MRN's Kurt Becker sat down with him. Here he comes to the line. Austin Hill swinging wide around lap traffic. Checkered flag waves. Austin Hill will score the upset tonight in Las Vegas. What is it about Austin Hill that seems to work so well with that particular racetrack? Uh, man, I, I, really, I really can't point out really anything. Um, other than just having some some really fast uh, Toyota Tundras, um, Scott and all the guys in the shop they they work really hard each and every week, and um, you know we we just have a package that works really well there. It it, it you know start of the race it, it's going to handle a little a little bit different, and uh, it's going to handle different by the time it gets into the nighttime and and at the end of the race. So uh, I just think that. Uh, Scott and I, we have a really good uh, feel for the racetrack. We know kind of where the racetrack's going to go throughout the night. And um, we kind of keep up with those adjustments during pit stops, and we kind of stay ahead of those things. So uh, whenever the track does change, we're, we're ready for it. So, um, and, and last year, it, Vegas kind of, it kind of changed a little bit. You know, you always, you always run uh, majority on the bottom, a little bit in the middle. Um, at least we do with our package. And then uh, when we won there last year, we were ripping the fence. So uh, we had to kind of change our demeanor a little bit going into uh, Vegas last year. And um, it'll be interesting to see how, how the track changes this year. I know each and every year it kind of changes up a little bit just because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure with the heat and everything that you get from Las Vegas and all the weather, uh, the track just, it seems like every year you get more bumps, you get more, just different characteristics about the track and you have to go out there and figure it out. You mentioned your crew chief, Scott Zipadelli. It's always good to have a, a veteran of these racing wars atop the war wagon. When it comes to the bumps at Las Vegas, especially in turns one and two, it seems like that is something that's always consistent, those bumps from race to race. If your truck already is not handling well, how much worse do those bumps make it? And uh, those bumps, they can they can really be uh, rough for you. Um, yeah, I mean, if your truck's already, you know, say say your truck's already really really loose um, on entry, and then you go over those bumps, it's really going to step out, and it's really just going to kind of go up the racetrack, and you're going to have to gather it up. 
Um, and then it's kind of the exact opposite whenever you're tight. If you can, if you're tight and you can never get to the bottom, when you go through those bumps, it's kind of rough through them. Um, but I don't know what it is about our, our setup and everything that Scott and all the guys do at, at the shop, but um, I feel like we get through the bumps probably better than anybody or just as good as, as some of those top guys. Um, we, there's just something about our trucks, um, you know, with shocks and springs and everything else, geometry, whatever it is, we just get through the bumps really, really well. Um, you actually, if, if you go back in, in at the practices in 2019 and the little bit of stuff that we did uh, in, in 2020 during the race, um, I, I never really complained a whole lot about the bumps. I mean, there might have been one or two times I mentioned it, but we get through the bumps really well. And, and it's really all about how you position your truck going through the bumps, um, you know, and, and if your truck's handling really well, the, the shortest way around the racetrack's the fastest, but sometimes you got to maneuver around. And I feel like we've done that really well at Las Vegas. It's just one of those tracks that I've just kind of taken a liking to from the first time I went there. And uh, we've, we've had really uh, good success there ever since. Given the, the COVID-related changes that have come about with no qualifying and no practice, when we go to a track like Las Vegas, where you not only have had success, but you are very comfortable in the truck, as you've mentioned, does that give you an advantage over your competition, given the fact there's really no track time until the green flag drops? Yeah, I mean, I think that anytime you go to a racetrack that you've won at, you, you, you feel like you have a little bit of a leg up on the competition. You feel like you, you kind of know that track a little bit better than your competitors and, and maybe just the setup um, that you have just works really well. And, and you're able to, um, you know, go out there and, and hit your marks and just find where, where the groove is that day. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for us this go around though, because like you said, with us having those two Daytona uh, races outside the top 20 uh, finishing, um, you know, we, we got a, a long ways to go throughout this race uh, and a kind of short time to do it. Um, you know, the race is going to go quick. It's only 134 laps and uh, we're starting in the back of the pack. So, um, you know, I'm, I want to methodically kind of work my way up there, but also be aggressive at the same time, because I know that, um, you know, having new tires and, and getting up through the field, it's a lot easier when you have uh, fresh Goodyear tires un under you uh, rather than have some uh, some worn out tires. So it just makes it that much harder to pass when you're when your front end starting to lose grip. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're it, it's just it's going to be tough for us. We're going to have to battle, maybe play some pit strategy. But I think that we can get up front and, um, you know, take it to these guys and, and hopefully come home with another win. When you mentioned pit strategy, given the abrasive and bumpy nature of the racing surface at Las Vegas, do you and Scott Zipidelli, do you guys see anything at all that would allow you under any circumstance for track position to take two tires or will these all be four tire stops? Uh, I'd say for the most part, it's going to be all four tire. Um, you know, if we get there and say it's, it's very cool out, the track has a ton of grip in it and we're not seeing a ton of fall off in the tires, you know, maybe, you know, you might see some uh, two tire stops and, and, and to gain that track position. And, um, you know, you're going to be a little bit of a, at a disadvantage, but if you can get through the first five to 10 laps, it might all kind of even itself out. So uh, we'll just kind of have to play that by ear. We'll have to see how the track is. Um, you know, when we go green, it's going to be very dusty, very dirty because we're going to be the first, uh, 
cars on the racetrack. And, um, you know, it's you're going to have to kind of tiptoe for the first five or so laps, let, let there get some grip on the racetrack because it's going to be a very green racetrack. Um, tire wear is going to be big for the first run, so you want to try to protect that right front as much as you can and the right rear. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things that, you, you plan for all these things, but when you get to the racetrack, it, you kind of just have to go with the flow and just kind of see how the track progresses throughout the night. If the track seems like it gains a lot of grip, yeah, maybe if we're, if we're struggling to uh, with aero and struggling to get through the field and, and drive up to the front, uh, maybe we do some two tire changes. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we just kind of have to play that by ear and see how it goes the first two stages. Coming up on Friday night, a lot happens and a lot will be happening Friday night at Las Vegas, including a personal milestone. Austin, you will be making your 100th career start in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Do you have a particular fond memory? It's tough, I'm sure, from the prior 99. If you had to pick your favorite memory thus far in your Camping World Truck career, what would it be? Uh, man, I'd, I'd have to definitely say that... Uh winning at Daytona for my first ever win in the truck series uh, has to be the top of the cake there just because, um, you know, Daytona is one of those places that every driver wants to win at is so prestigious. It's, it's just one of those places that you, when you come there, um, you know, you just, you have that more, much more confidence in you to go out there and, and just be aggressive and throw it out all on the line and uh, try to get the job done and get, and get the win. So, uh, Daytona being that being that being my first ever uh, win in the truck series and it being at Daytona is really special um, but I, I really think just all of uh, the 2019 se season was really special for me uh, winning four races and um, just being able to kind of put my name on the map that that, that was the biggest thing for me just kind of uh, having my name uh, out there and known and, and show that I belong in the truck series so uh, that was a really good year for me. That is Austin Hill of Winston, Georgia, driver of the Ibaraki Toyopet Toyota for Hattori Racing Enterprises, getting ready for the bucked up 200 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series on Friday night in Las Vegas, Motor Racing Network on the air live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Austin, thanks for joining us and here's wishing you all the best for a safe journey. Yeah, thanks for having me on and hopefully we can talk again soon with a, uh, another W. Thank you, Kurt. Coming up, it's This Week in NASCAR History. You need more than speed to take home the checkered flag. The same goes for your internet. That's why Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. XFi delivers coverage, control, and security to keep your network on track. Catch every lap with excellent coverage throughout your entire home. Or bring your crew in for a pit stop with control that lets you pause Wi-Fi for family time. All on a network dedicated to keeping your personal information safe, secure, and private. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. Visit Xfinity.com to learn more. When you're on the go, missing the side-by-side -side action at the racetrack isn't a problem. Here comes Logano on the high side. He drives it deep into turn number two. Motor Racing Network brings the NASCAR race to you, wherever you are, so you don't miss one lap of the excitement. Denny Hamlin has won the 61st edition of the Daytona 500. You are the man, D.H. The power of radio to the imagination of the listener. Tune in to the Motor Racing Network. Visit MRN.com for an affiliate list in your local area. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's edition of NASCAR Live. But before we do, it is that time again, my friends. It is time for this week in NASCAR history with Susie Armstrong. Susie? 
Thanks, Mike. Let's take a radical ride to 1983. Michael Jackson moonwalks to the top of the charts with the second single from the iconic thriller album, Billie Jean. The 4077 said goodbye, farewell, and amen to a record 125 million fans as MASH airs for the final time on CBS. Philips and Sony launch the digital music age as the compact disc becomes the new ruler of the record stores. And Bobby Allison was the monarch of the Commonwealth of Virginia, driving his Miller High Life Chevy to victory in the Richmond 400 at Richmond Fairgrounds Raceway. Earnhardt closing to within two and a half car lanes around the limping Harry Gancar. It's a race to the line. Out of turn number four, Earnhardt puts it sideways, broadsides the car, smokes the tires. It'll be Bobby Allison by three car lanes. 1993, the spin doctors just might have had a pocket full of kryptonite as two princes pops into Billboard's top ten. Investigations intensifying the Big Apple following the Twin Towers truck bombing. Michael Douglas reaches his breaking point as he treks across Los Angeles on foot in the crime thriller Falling Down. And Rusty Wallace didn't let the Intimidator rattle his stride as the cup champ held off Dale Earnhardt in the GM Goodwrench 500 at North Carolina Motor Speedway. Rusty Wallace already halfway down the stretch. Half a lap to go to victory lane. Clear sailing as he coasts into turn number three. Now punches the throttle halfway through the corner. He's on his way to the line. Rusty Wallace behind the wheel. Buddy Parrott and the fellas behind pit wall. They combine for Wallace's third win here at Rockingham. Y2K, the Dixie Chicks ring in the new millennia with two Grammy Awards, courtesy of their number one country album, Fly. The Minnesota Vikings make a highly publicized yet unsuccessful bid to draw Dan Marino out of retirement and back on the field as starting quarterback. And Bobby Labonte repelled Earnhardt's attempts to overtake, beating the seven-time cup champ to the line in the Duralube Kmart 400 at The Rock. And now beginning a trickle out of the hourglass. Time running out for Earnhardt Labonte through three for the final time. And he heads off turn four. Bobby Labonte becomes the 26th different driver to win a Winston Cup race in Rockingham. Checkered flag. Labonte scores. The Duraloop Kmart 400. 1.06 seconds over Dale Earnhardt. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. That's going to put a wrap on this week's show. We'd like to thank Noah Gregson for stopping by. Also, thanks to Austin Hill and Myatt Snyder for joining us. We thank you as well for being a part of this week's show. And for the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Again, thanks for tuning in. We'll be with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrian, Julian Council, and Rich Colbra. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. 
From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com.